a listener exclusive. From the Penguin Parade at Phillip Island to that new building development in the middle of Warrigal, this is Talking Gippsland with Anne Cowlishaw. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Gippsland. Today I sit down with Reese Hamriding and talk about his journey through the world of sports management. From humble beginnings to a new year of expectations to providing a pathway for his athletes to achieve their dreams. Sit back, relax and enjoy our unique journey through the world of sports management here on Talking Gippsland. Reese, nice to catch up with you, mate. Uh, here in the beautiful facility of Gris, Gippsland Regional Indoor Sports Stadium, um, modern offices, everything's looking quite nice here in Taralga, and of course the home of uh, sport, really, when it comes to netball, basketball, and anything that plays indoor as, as well. Let's talk about your journey, because uh, it's an interesting one. You're passionate about sport in all facets as well. When did you first get hooked on whether it be basketball or anything really, because it is a way of life here in Gippsland. Yeah, uh, look, I think basketball's kind of been in my family's history for, for a very long time. Um, from my mum's side and dad's side, you know, I was born in Darwin, Northern Territory. It was actually an NBL, uh, one of the first NBL guys out of Darwin, Timmy Duggan, um, was the first one to approach my uh, dad, who's also a, a games record holder up there for, for their league as well, and said, uh, does Reese want to pick up a basketball and give it a crack? And ever since then, I've just fell in love with the game in so many different ways, playing, coaching. You know, I was a referee for a, for a bit as well, and just anything to do with basketball, I just loved it. So that's kind of when I first got exposed to the game. Uh, so basketball from the territory, it is a different regime up there, very club orientated right from the way go. And I really find it quite unique in that you can play for the same club, a bit like what football and netballers do here in Victoria. You can play for whether it be Razzle or the TV Jets or Lightning or Ansett. You can follow it all the way up to the highest league and play until you're about 70 or 80 years old if you want. That's how unique that competition is up there. Absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a lot different to, to how it works probably mm. in other states. Um, yeah, the, it's very much a one, one-way streamline, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, you know, yeah, my dad played with multiple clubs over multiple years. Um, you know, won championships a bit everywhere, but he was playing until he was about 45, 46. Yeah. So, you know, which is pretty good innings for, for anyone, um, especially on the hardwood. So, yeah, no, definitely um, it's very unique in itself and, and its location and, you know, the way it's going up there. I'm so glad to see that, you know, there's an NBL1 team now based there and the possibility of potentially a Darwin team um, brings a lot of joy and, and love to the heart. So, you know, that's that's home. So, yeah, and all I want to see for home is to, to get that chance to be on that you know elite pathway you made the move from the territory when did that happen and how did that either influence your basketball journey even further uh, I think we moved, relocated here to Morwell, um, I think back in 2014. Yeah. You know, look, uh, I, ideally I just got came down, I think, middle of the junior squad season. I was a bottom age under-18s kid at that time. I think I was about 16. Um, and hap- happily, uh, funny enough, my cousin Laura Pickering was coaching the under-18 Sherelgan T-Birds side, which had Jack White in it, um, obviously NBA player with Denver Nuggets at the moment. Um, yeah, and just kind of slid in there and, and really got amongst uh, Victorian basketball that way and it became a bit of a culture shock, um, if anything. Um, mm. You yeah, know, it was just it, the way it was 
ran the the multiple tournaments you could play in you know the country champs structure you know and that year I didn't play in that country champs team that won division one um but you know I was invited to go away to the national junior classic which was again another competition I didn't think even existed and and the way that kind of looks so yeah it really enriched me um playing wise uh really enriched uh, my experiences over the two two years left i had of junior competition and then there's a moment in your life where you know yeah you're not going to make it tell me about that moment for you and what direction it took you in your journey because you're very influential off the court whether it be coaching or even gippsland united on the school benches when did you start making the decision that hey there are other aspects here of the sport that I can be involved with? Yeah, I think it was probably my first year under, um, out of under 18s. Um, I, you know, gave CBL a crack, which is the next step out of the junior program for Trelgan. And I think I played a few games and I just went, this is kind of not, not for me. Um, it was probably a hard pill to swallow because I, you know, gave a lot of time and, and sacrifice to, to playing the game, you know, over, you know, the course of my journey. But I, I just felt as though it just wasn't for me. Um, I felt, that I could be a little bit more passionate and probably more excited about doing other things. So, you know, going into the Trelgan program and, and coaching, I think it was under 10 girls, um, you know, as my first gig and then all the way up to now coaching CBL. So, um, you know, which still keeps me involved in an association that gave me a chance and, and giving back. Um, but, yeah, I think that, that decision was a hard one to swallow, you know, that I wasn't going to be in the NBA or representing the green and gold or anything like that. I think that was just being me realistic, you know, I'm 6'1". I'm, it, there's a lot of guys that are my size and a lot more athletic, fitter and probably a lot more skillful. So I was like, yeah, look, I'm just going to pass and try and something a different avenue of basketball. You've gone down another interesting track here uh, about making a living out of the game and, and enjoying it still, and that's sports management. When did that tick over? When did that go, hey, look, I could get involved with this and still be part of the journey of the sport? Yeah, look, uh, it all, you know, HSM really kind of started um, basically before COVID. Um, so... Um, before in the meantime I was connected to a lot of uh, I networked a lot through the American imports that came into Australia um, every time I went back home there was always imports there in the competition yeah. up in Darwin yep. um, there's imports always down here for the big V and you know just kind of networking the way I do and you know, just uh, I was able to help probably about a handful of players um, just get gigs elsewhere and I went this could be actually quite, you know, challenging and, and interesting and everything like that. So uh, I was, I think it was about February, um, just after I turned, uh, what, 22? Yeah. Um, then I went, you know what, I'm going to give this a crack and see how I go. And, you know, got my first handful of clients and, you know, two months later, um, you know, we were in, stuck in lockdown. So kind of der- derailed my plans of starting in Australia and, and utilising that market to my advantage. Um, and then I started getting more international clients um, and, you know, really ventured out into the European market and, and Asia market, you know, where, you know, I'm now connected, probably networked with people I didn't think I would have a chance of speaking with. But in terms of, you know, really doing this as a, as a living, it's, it's quite challenging, difficult, a lot of um, 
you know pieces to the puzzle you've got to kind of put together and and know and research it's it's a lot of effort and time um that goes into it you know but i wouldn't i wouldn't exchange it for anything in the world it's the most rewarding experience i've had Bruce Hamron has joined us uh, here on Talking Gippsland, uh, talking about his journey down the garden path of sports management. Uh, nice to have your company. Uh, Reese. when it comes to sports management, starting from scratch, how do you earn trust? Because I would assume that would be a real pillar of your business, not only trust to look after them, uh, whether it be accommodation, money, work, things like that, but also knowing that, hey, from the other side of things, from a sporting association and clubs, that, well, is this player going to do what they say they're going to do? You know, the way I approach it is just be genuine. You know, be upfront, honest about it, brutally honest at times. People don't know who I am. They're still trying to get a gauge on me. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that it's open and honest. Um, you know, but when I'm presenting a guy or essentially quote-unquote selling a guy to an association or a club, you know, to take on and invest in, you know, is to see the benefits both on and off the court, you know, as much as they need to be a performer on the court, but they have to be a great asset off the court, you know, and that's just the way it works here in Australia and it's culture and it's grassroots programs. Got to be involved, you know, because if not, then, you know, there's not a lot of guys that come here and just play basketball. You know, they're always involved in other things. So ideally, you know, what I do to try and earn their trust is just be open and transparent about everything. You know, get on calls with guys multiple times, Zoom meetings, everything like that, you know, clear cut. You know, and that all starts from when I have that first conversation with the player and the, and the association. It's got to fit both. You know, because the last thing you want is someone to come in and then it, you know, they're getting sent home or the association parts ways, you know, it's just not healthy for anyone. The research involved must be profound as well. I know you've got about, what, 20, nearly 30 clients nearly, which is absolutely incredible from the humble beginnings that you've had. How much research goes into that? You know, these guys could be coming from Europe, they could be coming from the States, from junior college, Div 2, Div 1, straight out of high school, background checks, all these sort of things, visas. There's a hell of a lot going into it. Where do you start that process of researching and then, I guess, breaking it down to needs and wants for your clients and also the associations? Yeah, there's a lot of time that goes into it. Um, You know, on average, I spend about 10 hours on a, on a single player and that's spread across you know multiple stages of the, the process and that's looking at film looking at who they are character assessments you know behavioural background checks you know based from their coaching staff you know if I'm looking for a player from the United States for example you know I'm looking at their college stuff I'm seeing what their GPA was I'm seeing what type of person they were what they were expected on their social media as well which is a huge thing these days you know it's a lot that is unseen um, that goes you know behind and to check all those things Um, but also pretty fortunate enough to have those resources where I have those networks in the US where I can reach out to people I know and go okay you know do you know of this person or they might know someone of her It's, it's like a big community you know so in terms of you know that process of getting someone signed and everything like that it's it's ours at the start, but it's ours throughout and after as well. It's a never-ending process. It's nearly a 24-7 type gig. So, yeah, ideally, you know, it's, yeah, it's incredibly a lot of time, but, you know, it gets rewarded when they come out and do their thing and then keep moving up the stages. 
I think about the times that you would be working as well, you're working with a lot of Northern Hemisphere here. It's, uh, what is it, 10.45 in the morning as we're doing our chat here. Um, you should be asleep, I'm assuming, because the bulk of the, your work would be done overnight, our time, just because of time difference and, and things like that. Is, is that how you're working? So at the start I was, um, yep. yeah, it was pretty much a, a full night out. Um, you know, my day would, you know, in this would probably start nine nine at night and I would probably get to sleep around three or four and kind of do that circle and, and kind of make sure I still got a, you know, I'm not a zombie throughout the day as such. Yeah. But um, to this day now, it's a little bit easier because I've kind of, really cemented the, the way I want things and I still do those nights especially over weekends now if anything um, but ideally you know a normal day for me looks like from eight you know eight to ten you know eight in the morning to ten ten at night and you know sometimes I start at five it's it just varies depending on what you know I'm looking to do you know different parts of the season because not only do I work within the Australian market I work in all markets overseas as well. How cutthroat is it when you get to an area such as Vegas <laughs> where everyone's sort of looking to show off to one another and also uh, maybe get a gig somewhere yeah look it's it's very much cutthroat um it's probably one of the most hardest um jobs or industries to be in you know because you're not the only one you know for myself and I'm an agent so you know there's there's thousands of agents out there in the world you know that are coming for the same thing I want you know so going over in Vegas in um July was was amazing you know being at the NBA Summer League which is you know labeled as the biggest networking event of the year you know you're meeting people from belgium israel um saudi arabia you know all parts of the world you know they come in and you know within that summer summer league two weeks or 10 days it is there's combines there's professional combines for the semi-pro athletes you know i was going to two combines a day for 10 days straight you know plus the summer league on top you know, it was just, uh, it's very cutthroat because you see all these guys are agents in Greece or something like that and you start get talking to them and see how the way they do things and you just you sit there and just kind of, you know, get taken back, just going, wow, like I'm, I'm really not the only one that I thought I was, you know, and it just so much levels to, to everything. Chris Hemroy is joining us. We're talking about sports management and his journey from Darwin to Gippsland to the world, really, uh, when it comes to looking after the next generation of sports stars and in particular basketballers. You're working by yourself. So how do you manage that aspect of it as well? You're obviously getting clients, which is fantastic, and, and then obviously trying to keep them and look after them. How do you go about that? with those big long days and making sure that you've got the pad and pen out and you and you know what you want to get onto your stable and also maybe farm out to everyone else yeah so definitely by myself um for sure in terms of hsm um but i'm pretty pretty fortunate enough to to have a lot of people i've networked with over the time other agents that help me grow a little bit as well so you know a bit of a shout out to drew kelso um at one modi sports he's based in arkansas um in the, in the states and thomas Sutherland as well um you know both of them have taken me under their wings they've been in the game for about seven or eight years and, and really starting to hit that 
you know, next level of, you know, representing NBA guys and everything like that. So in terms of the semi-professional market, they've really just taken me under their wings and, and really um, shown me the way how it needs to be done, mm. you know, the, the right way as well, you know, because there's so many ways you can do things in life and, and they're just really guiding me and, and kind of moulding me into that, you know, next generation type you know agent where you know keeping up with the 20th century and everything like that you know they're you know they're going to kill me when i say this but old dinosaurs um a little bit and you know they 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 really do um keep up with it and you know it's it's been good for both sides they get to understand you know how i'm kind of coming up and how i'm trying to catch them and everything like that so i've been for, pretty fortunate enough they're the two that are just the main ones but i have a, a whole network of people that bounce things off and everything like that so in a way i'm kind of not alone um it's it's just more of like a family type vibe to it and and really just utilizing each other's um you know bits to to make it easy so yeah i would assume they're mentors to you in, in a lot of ways how did that relationship begin? Because uh, they've been doing it for seven years. How do you initiate a mentorship like that? How do you get to know people that are on the other side of the world? Well, it's the same way how you gain someone's trust. And when you meet someone for the first time, um, you kind of feel each other out. So in this instance, uh, I'll start in one of the imports that I had a good relationship with, a relationship with um, up in Darwin, um, Matt Van Pelt. He's actually um, now head coaching um, at Vietnam and now for uh, Saigon Heat. And um, he gave me a few agents to kind of reach out to that he's uh, dealt with over his time. And um, he had Drew's number on there and, you know, all I did was pick up the phone, made a call. He had no idea who I was or anything like that when we first chatted. And ever since then, we had more calls after that. And now we're, we're, we're texting every day and calling, you know, once a week. And, you know, when I went over to the States, I was staying with him and his family. So it's, it's really eventuated off um, just networking through the, our networks and, it was just maybe it was like one of those things maybe it was supposed to happen for a reason um you know still to this day we don't understand how it works but you know it's just um the way it started we just caught like you know we just got on like a house on fire you know it's been a pleasure having uh, your company here on talking gippsland talking about your journey and uh May every success come your way, mate. I know you're working really hard behind the scenes. You are a sole operator at the moment, but it looks like a team's looking to hunt you down and have a part of you as well. Enjoy every journey that comes your way, mate. And, yeah, sport, who knows where it could take you. I appreciate it, Ed. Um, And, again, thanks for having me. A listener production.